are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to review One Fine Day, which came out in 1996 and was directed by Michael Hoffman. I was just calling. You just wanted to call it because you don't really trust me. Sammy, Sammy, no. Put the gun down. I was sure you were going to either show up three hours late or not at all. Guess what? I'm not like every other man you know. Guess what? I'm not like every other woman you know. Maybe you should let somebody help you out every once in a while. Definitely not. I've got all of these little balls up in the air. But you're not a control freak. No, I'm a single working mother. I met someone today. I don't know how to describe her. She's, she's luminous. She told you she likes me? It's so obvious, Daddy. 20th Century Fox presents Michelle Pfeiffer. You're blaming your Peter Pan complex what on Peter your mother. Pan the complex. one you're so proud you of. Let me friends. I don't have time for friends. George Clooney. That's because of your Captain Hook complex. My what? In a story about two busy people. Don't. What would you do if I kissed you right now? Who just might find the time for each other. Do you want to kiss me right now? I wouldn't now? have mentioned it if I didn't. One fine day. I wonder what they're doing. Wait. Yeah, okay. It stars Michelle Pfeiffer. George Clooney, Mae Whitman, Alex Linz, Holland Taylor, Amanda Peet, and Charles Durning. The genre would be romantic comedy. I liked this movie when I first saw it in theaters, and almost 25 years later, I still like it. Now, it's loaded with 90s tropes, and it features a performance by Clooney at the time, which was still rife with that downward head turn thing that he just couldn't shake until Soderbergh pushed it out of him two years later. But it still remains a very charming and often funny romantic comedy the type of which Hollywood just does not make anymore. Although, to be fair, even in 96, this kind of felt like a throwback of sorts with regards to just how PG it felt. This was already six years after both Pretty Woman and Ghost had taken the world by storm. So by this point, it wasn't just enough to just watch two highly attractive stars start to like each other on screen. Nope, not in the 90s. One of them had to be in a coma, or murdered by a mugger, or sleep with a billionaire, or become a prostitute or have his wife die off-screen. Seriously, even look at Four Weddings and a Funeral, which was a beloved rom-com from this era. As charming as Hugh Grant is in that movie, Andy McDowell isn't allowed to be charming, and the story just ends up taking its share of dark and mean-spirited turns before the supposed, quote, happy ending. Of course, Richard Curtis wrote that one, along with Notting Hill and Love Actually, rom-coms that were so focused on being edgy and clever that they forgot to be, you know, romantic. But we can leave my Richard Curtis killed the rom-com rant for another day and a future review. This film works because it never really aims that high, but it sticks the landing. Michael Hoffman directed this, and sadly he hasn't done much since, but he did direct two pretty solid films previously, the period romantic drama Restoration and the wacky backstage comedy Soap Dish. Now, if there's one correlation I could find between these two films, it's that they both had stacked casts of notable actors, and all of them were well utilized. So. So he's clearly a good actor's director. And that's demonstrated here again with two very winning performances by our main leads. Michelle Pfeiffer as Melanie and George Clooney as Jack. Despite having a screenplay which saddles them both with dialogue that contains just sizable amounts of gender cliches right out of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which was a very popular book at the time. 
Angela is cooking all day for our dinner party tonight. Berta is cleaning for our dinner party tonight. And I am working in the school office this morning. Okay, what about later? Later, I'm getting dressed for our dinner party tonight. Mel, why don't you get a nanny? Because I can't afford a nanny, Liza. No, you're insulted because I said that I had a presentation and that you don't work. I do work, Melanie. I am the CEO of this household. I'm sorry if I can't help you out today, but you're perfect. You'll figure it out. But they make a great pair. They're both playing likable, well-meaning, nice people who just want to get through their day. And save their respective jobs, too. Clooney plays a newspaper reporter while Pfeiffer plays an architect. And it's to the film's credit that even though the way these jobs are presented to us is pure Hollywood fiction, it's still refreshing to see an effective rom-com that even acknowledges that the two main characters have real jobs and actually even have to strain to keep them at times. Hi, I'm looking for Elaine Lieberman. She just left. Thank you. Jack! Yeah? Is that you? Yeah. It's Rita! Hmm? Melanie's mother! Oh, Rita, hey! Do you, sorry, do you believe what a small uh, No, I just spent the whole afternoon with your grandson. Yeah, he's cute, but he's a handful. Yeah, I'm just trying to catch up with a little I just want to tell you one thing about my daughter, and it's something that you may suspect now. She can make you want to scream like you're having a body wax. I mean, she's that frustrating. Yeah. Inside, Jack, she's mush. Much. So you scream all you want, but just don't run away too soon. Okay. okay. All right. You're adorable. And they each have a cute kid with them for the day, of course. Alex Linz plays Melanie's son, and Mae Whitman plays Jack's daughter, and they are both adorable, even when they're mugging for the camera. They end up being two little cupids for their parents as they race around Manhattan. And it's all very madcap and fun as they end up at so many landmarks, like the Carnegie Deli and Serendipity. There are mistaken switches of cell phones, ill-timed electric cars, marbles getting stuck up noses. And apparently, even though I don't remember it this way, because I grew up in New York, 96 Manhattan was loaded with cats. (laughs) So many cats that it literally felt kind of like bring your cat to work day in this particular version of Manhattan. So, Maggie, you know that lady Celia from your dad's office? Yeah. She your daddy's girlfriend? No way. She wants to be, but she isn't. He wants somebody who would love his cookie, too, and Celia's not the type. But regardless of an excess of cats and cliches, it's the leads who really bring this film home. Gratefully, Pfeiffer and Clooney have nice chemistry and even develop a nice rhythm between them. The romance is never forced, and it's actually barely even consummated by the end of the movie. Their story just ends on a genuinely sweet note with the two of them sorted together with their kids asleep in the next room. This film just works, and it's a testament to just how pairing the right stars together within the right setting can make any film work. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Now, as was a common trend in the 90s, this was a rom-com named after a classic pop song. The song being One Fine Day by The Chiffons, which came out in 1963 and remains a pretty fun doo-wop ditty. We do hear it late in the movie during a fun montage of Pfeiffer's character trying to gussy herself up in a cramped bathroom while Clooney's character waits in her living room on the couch. It's a nice spirited moment. One fine day. 
But that's actually not my personal choice for the main needle drop, because we hear another version of this song during the opening credits. As the camera pans through the Manhattan skyline, then down along the windows of an apartment building, in a very lovely shot, we hear Natalie Merchant's more melancholy cover of this song, which mainly comes off more as a jazz standard with her quietly crooning over piano and saxophone. The song and the overall sequence just comes off as romantic, wistful, and comforting, which makes it an ideal table setter for the movie that follows. One fine day you look at me And then you'll know our love was meant to be One fine day you're gonna want me for your And that brings me to the next category, which would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, I know that I just mentioned how the director Hoffman is a good actor's director who utilizes his cast well. Well, there's one exception to that in One Fine Day. Now, apparently, every other female adult in this movie besides Pfeiffer is hot for Clooney's character. And honestly, can you blame them? (laughs) Regardless, there's one character who seems to exist only to endlessly flirt and flash doomy eyes at Clooney's hunky divorced dad, and she's played by Amanda Peet. I guess she's a writer or something. You got me, because even though she's working in the newsroom of a New York tabloid, she's all glammed up with stark eyeshadow, a plunging neckline shirt, and literally just has one expression on her face as she not only flirts with Clooney, but appears to do so through other characters as well. Now, since this movie, Amanda Peet has proven to be a pretty good actress, with some winning performances in movies from Something's Gotta Give to Changing Lanes, to the very underrated indie drama comedy from about 10 years ago, Please Give. But here, she's just playing an extremely one-note character who, I guess, is initially presented as some sort of romantic rival for Pfeiffer, but seems to have no actual job besides being hot for Clooney's character. It's not only a waste of her talent, but a minor waste of screen time for a film that otherwise moves very briskly. And that brings me to the next category, which would be Trailer Moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes the movie. Now, there's a scene about halfway through when both Pfeiffer and Clooney are dropping off their children at that drop-off place in Manhattan and are told that their kids can enter only wearing a costume because it's, quote, superhero day. And to think this was 25 years ago, if they only knew. (laughs) Anyways, neither kid has a costume, so of course they need to improvise. And that's when Pfeiffer's Melanie starts to dive into her absurdly large purse. We basically watch via montage as she pulls out various items and gradually crafts costumes for each kid. She pulls out a hairbrush, a poncho, scrunchies, of course, and even some goggles, because why not? And all the while, Clooney's Jack just looks on in awe. At the very end of this scene, of course, and thanks to some movie magic, both children are covered head to toe in get-ups, sort of resembling superheroes. You got me, but they both look cute and ridiculous. They're off to join the other kids and our two romantic leads, Both leave to get to the rest of their insanely packed days, both slyly smiling at each other as they leave. Hey, every rom-com needs a good dressing up montage, right? Well, this one just works. And that brings me to the final category, and that would be MVP. The MVP is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Now, look, this might be considered cheating, but I'm sorry. This has to be two co-MVPs, and those co-MVPs are, of course, our two stars, Pfeiffer and Clooney who both give full-on movie star performances. 
Yes, Clooney is relying too often on some of the same tricks that had made him a huge star at the time on ER, which was the biggest show on television at the time. But he's still quite the funny charmer in this, and he does a really nice job with all the physical comedy he's given in this role. It's actually very impressive how many things he can be doing while carrying Whitman, who plays his daughter, all around. And then there's Pfeiffer. Yes, she looks luminous, of course. It helps that she and Clooney make an absurdly attractive couple. Now, she's playing the, quote, overwhelmed single-career mom trope that we've seen so many times in these types of movies, but she's giving her more depth and even moments of joy throughout. There's a nice moment about, I'd say about halfway through, actually, it's right after that drop-off montage scene, when she has just dropped off her son with Clooney's daughter at the drop-off place between meetings, and as she drives off in the back of a cab alone, we see her smile and just gaze out the window for a few seconds at Manhattan as the sun just rises right after there was a rainstorm. This is the look of someone who really appreciates the moment-to-moment joys and pitfalls of any given day, or maybe one fine day. Just taking a breath to enjoy one of the better moments. Both actors just have no shortage of winning moments like that, even when their characters are not even together on screen. These two together are just a perfect pairing. And yes, I know this might be controversial, but I would say that they rank among the best romantic pairings of the 90s. Above Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and even, dare I say, Tom Cruise and Robert Duvall in Days of Thunder. No joke. Now, can you walk? Or am I going to have to carry you? Where to? Victory Lane. My rating for One Fine Day would be three and a half stars out of five. I, I really dig this movie, and I would highly recommend that you watch it. And I have to apologize for this because... Six months ago, earlier this year, when I watched it with one of my daughters and my wife, it was available to rent or buy on most platforms, on cable even. But right now, strangely, it's only available to buy at Vudu or AMC Theaters On Demand. No joke. Or you could buy a physical version of it. I would gather that because this is a Fox film and Fox is now owned by Disney, I would be very surprised if in the near future this isn't on Disney Plus or maybe even Hulu. But if you haven't seen it, check it out. And that ends another fine review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Cinema.